0: Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. They're constantly watching you, constantly observing. How are you behaving with me? You know, are you for me? Are you against me? You know, so they're constantly watching you because they're going to use this information, they're going to weaponize this information against you. So the big questions are these. So covert narcissists are so different than the grandiose narcissists. And covert can be malignant as well, by the way. But Covert Narcissists tend to be under the radar. To the rest of the world, they look amazing. They look perfect, they're wonderful, they're kind, they're generous, they're so easy to get along with. They only show their their ugly, horrible, heinous face to their victims. And so here you are with somebody who when you first meet them is generous and kind And says all the right things, and everybody loves them. And oftentimes, they're in positions of, you know, where people love them, like clergy or doctors or psychologists, people who um, seem to be very caring, who seem to be just the most amazing people that you could have ever met. And so they they come on with Love Bombing, just like all narcissists do. And if you want to know more about Love Bombing, check out my video on Love Bombing. But basically it's that that time where they are grooming you to become their target, they're testing you out to see if you're the right one for them, to see if um, if you're going to be good. And they, so they present themselves to you as wonderful. And it, you know, if it's a romantic situation, they're the perfect spouse. If it's a business situation, they're the perfect business partner. So they get themselves ensconced into the relationship with you. And then once they're firmly in place, then they start with devaluing and they start saying little things. So the first way that covert narcissists attack their victims is through passive aggression. And what that is, is they seem like they're being very nice, but then they're also saying something that's not so nice. So they'll say something like, Oh, um, you are doing so well with your weight loss. I mean, you still have a ways to go, but you know, um, you're not looking as big as you normally do. Uh, something like that. So it's sort of like a compliment, but also a devalue. It's a, also a put down. So you'll see these little kinds of things. You know, like oh, I see that you took care of. You know the bank statements or, or balancing the checkbook or whatever it is. I just went ahead and fixed this mistake that you had. But good for you for doing that. That's really great. But you know, I just went ahead and fixed your mistake. Um, you know, little things like that that are just kind of like this dig that are so like passive aggressive that you're you're not really sure what's going on. Another way that they can be passive aggressive is to say that they're going to do something and then not do it. And now you're left in this position of trying to get go after them and go, hey, you know, how come you didn't do the thing that you said that you were going to do? And they say, Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna do that. And then they never do it. And it's sort of like almost like a little rebellion against you, like I'm not going to do what you want me to do kind of a thing. So passive aggression is something you see a lot in covert narcissists because it's something that they can kind of do under the radar and people don't necessarily see it. It's not overt. It's not in your face. It also gives them the ability of plausible deniability where they can kind of go, well, I wasn't saying anything bad. I was complimenting them. What are you talking about? Um, And so they don't seem like they're the bad ones. They're so excellent at passive aggression. And it's it's just eats away at you. It's like little by little, you just get like, little chunks taken out of you until you're just kind of like nothing left of you. Or or they just like suck a little blood at a time or death by a thousand cuts. Um, I've heard all of those expressions before. And because the two narcissists that I had to deal with were both coverts, I understand it completely. And um, it is no fun to deal with that. So passive aggression is the first one. And by the way, if you want to know more about the covert passive aggression I do have a video on that, but I also highly recommend the book by Debbie Marzak called The Covert Passive-Aggressive Narcissist, and we'll drop a link to that below as well. So the second thing that covert narcissists use to attack their victims is oh they're good old-fashioned favorites gaslighting all narcissists love gaslighting and gaslighting is basically a way to try to make you think that you're crazy and so they say things like oh we talked about that when you know you didn't talk about that or you said you were gonna do that and you know that you didn't or if you even if you see something that's evidenced right in front front of your face like a text message that looks like they're being inappropriate with somebody else. They say, oh, you're just reading things into it. You're just imagining stuff. And um, I'm just friends with this person or I work with this person. And why do you always have to be that way? So, you know, gaslighting is a way to get control over their victims and start making victims almost question their own reality, question their own thinking, question their own um, self in a lot of ways. I mean, you just get to this point where you don't even know what's real anymore because they're just constantly gaslighting you into making you think that you're the one that's crazy. Another way that covert narcissists attack their victims is by isolating you. So, making you put all your attention and focus on them, being jealous if you are talking to anybody else, making sure that everything that you do is about them. And even if you're trying to tell them something about you or how you're feeling, they'll interrupt you. They'll start saying how they're the victim, that you know, whatever it is that you had a problem with, it gets and it ends up getting shoved aside because they have to talk about their problem and, and what it is. And I can't believe you're attacking me and especially because I'm depressed or I'm sick or this is all going on and you know that this is going on with me, and and so it's all you know shoved aside and 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 isolating you from your friends and your family, and um you know why you have to be talking to this person at this time and this should be our time together and who's calling you at this hour, and and why are you leaving to go um, talk to somebody else or be with someone else, you know and so you just end up with you know no family or friends because you've got to put. into this person. Another thing that covert narcissists do is stonewall. So they'll just not get back to you. They'll just basically kind of like ghost you and and stop talking to you. And if you wanna know more about ghosting, you should check out my video on ghosting. But, you know, they just go dark. It's sort of a form of passive aggression in a way, actually, where they just, um, you're, you're trying to reach them and they don't respond to you. And then when you finally do get a hold of them, they're like, oh, I was busy. I was working. I was this. I was that. And you know that they could have at least sent you a text back to say, hey, I'm busy. I'll talk to you later or something like that. But they just, they want you to be worried. They want, they want, they love creating drama. They love creating like where you're scared about something, where you're intimidated. Um, So that's definitely another way that covert narcissists attack their victims but another of their main little ways is triangulation. So this is not a direct attack on you. So coverts kind of tend to hang back. They don't want to do the direct attack thing. They're sneakier. They kind of go around. They figure out ways to sort of attack you in very subtle ways. It's so much worse in some ways than somebody who comes right at you. So one of the things that they do is they triangulate. So they get all of their flying monkeys all lined up and believing that there's something wrong with you. And they do it and they couch it in ways like, um, oh, I'm just so concerned about how much she's drinking you know, something like that. Like there's, they care so much and I can't believe that they're doing that. Um, or, oh, it's just, it makes me so sad that, um, she's, you know, talking to these other people or she's doing these things to me so that they become like the victim, like that that the other person is doing things to this person. Um, And so that's another thing that they do. And, And they get all of their flying monkeys lined up to thinking that you are bad in some way. And the best flying monkeys, the ones that they love the most, are the ones that they think you want to have a relationship with or you want to you know them to respect you or love you or like you or whatever and so those are the ones especially if they can spot weakness if they they're very very good at manipulating they're master master manipulators so they'll they'll look for people who are going to be open to having this conversation with them and open to maybe um, hearing what they have to say? I know one of the covert narcissists that I had to deal with actually got my own cousin to come and talk to me about what a victim this other person was, and I, I just couldn't believe that this was actually happening. But that's how good they are, and 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 I was since able to get my cousin to understand what was really going on and you know, that's not happening anymore, but that's something that covert narcissists do is triangulate and line up their flying monkeys. And it is certainly something that they do during the discard phase of the relationship. And um, when you are ending a relationship and you're having to figure out how to end it, whether it's negotiating a divorce, negotiating a business settlement, um, any kind of negotiation, this is the kind of thing that they are going to be doing as covert narcissists. They're going to attack you even more. It's everything that they were doing during the relationship will be magnified and on steroids over and over and over again. Customers are rushing to your store Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. So I'm going to be giving you five, five compelling reasons that a covert narcissist are always watching you. And it's really crucial to understand what a covert narcissist is and how it differs from the more well-known overt narcissists, covert narcissists, unlike their overt counterparts, aren't as openly self-centered and and self-aggrandizing as the the covert narcissist. Instead, they they display a pattern of modesty. They almost play the victim, you know. Instead of like that overt narcissist that goes in and demands the best table and the restaurant, or you know, sort of holds court wherever they go, they're like hypersensitive. And and almost like defensive, and they operate under the under the radar. They kind of pretend like they don't want attention to themselves. And it makes their their behavior much more difficult to recognize. Reason number one that they're sort of always watching you is that they're always on the hunt for information. They're constantly watching you because they're meticulously trying to glean information about your behavior. They're watching your reactions, they're watching your habits. Why are they doing that? They want to be able to weaponize this behavior against you eventually. Remember, with a narcissist, you're either for them or you're against them. And, and if you're against them, you're going to be public enemy number one, especially in a negotiation. And so they're constantly watching to see are you for me or are you against me? They want to see what do you like? What do you don't like? Are you for me or are you against me? So let's say, you know, you like classic novels. And, and in that case, they might want to steer this conversation or manipulate this conversation toward are you going to be for me? me or are you going to be against me are you my perfect mate or are you not my perfect mate because if you don't like exactly what i like then maybe you know you're not perfect for me that's how they are you know like even if you if you don't align exactly with me then you're not going to be for me anymore because that's how they are you know they're constantly looking to see that and 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 if you're out in public and and you you say well i don't necessarily like that anymore they use that as like a personal affront they they actually see that as you're now belittling them in some way. They see this as a public confrontation. And they use this as, you did this to me in a group setting. And they, they want to use this and they retaliate against you in some way. And they'll watch you. They'll, they'll be watching to see how did you behave against them in this way they're constantly watching you constantly observing how are you behaving with me you know are you for me are you against me you know so they're constantly watching you because they're going to use this information they're going to weaponize this information against you the next reason they're constantly watching you is for control they're they're yearning for control and by observing you they can identify vulnerabilities insecurities weaknesses which they will exploit and use against you to maintain and establish control. And they, they start with this early on during the love bombing phase, by the way. And it manifests even in a professional relationship where they deliberately put you in uncomfortable situations to assert their dominance And and we're talking about covert narcissists here. I'm not talking about dominance is a dominant overt narcissist. We're talking about covert narcissists. So let's say a partner is aware of their partner's anxiety around social gatherings. So they might insist that their partner attend these events frequently, even though their partner has anxiety around attending social gatherings. So they'll say, you know, we have to go, we must go to perpetually throw their partner off balance and they do this so that their partner becomes dependent upon them for emotional support. So they purposely do that to make them even more anxious. That's what the the kind of thing that they'll do. It's very stealth, it's very manipulative. So that's number 2. Number 3 is what I call like a pretend connection. The third reason that they will be watching you, it's to sort of create a like a pretend connection with you. So they'll watch you to see what it is that you're into so that they can say, "Oh, I also love whatever it is that you're into." So that they can kind of suddenly adopt The same thing that you're into, and have this pretend shared connection with you, and you know it isn't a a true, genuine interest. They just—it's a tactical move to create an illusion of compatibility, and obviously, it ends up wearing off after a while. This is more like a. A love bombing move that they have, right? You know it is so fake, and obviously they're fakers. I have a, you know a video on love bombing, and you know I highly recommend that you check out my my video on love bombing as well. And if you're trying to disarm narcissists, I have a free phrases for disarming narcissists, which you can get at disarmthenark.com. That will help you as well. So just disarmthenark.com and get my free phrases for disarming narcissists as well. The next one is, mimicking social cues. That's the reason number four. They struggle with empathy and they struggle with you know what to do uh, for empathy. So they watch real people know what to do and so that they know how to behave, they know how to act. They watch you closely, studying how you express sympathy or joy and then mirror these behaviors so that they know how to fit in. Think of it this way, like suppose a covert narcissist Like, observes their friend consoling someone who's upset, they might store this interaction sort of like in their behavioral bank, like replicating it in the future to appear like empathetic and caring, even though these emotions may not genuinely resonate with them. Sort of like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. Right. Okay. So that's reason number one. And by the way, if you need support, you need additional support, and you need therapy, I have a sponsor on this channel, which is BetterHelp. And don't sit there alone. Don't sit there isolated get the help and support that you need. Just go to betterhelp.com forward slash Rebecca Zung and get the therapy and help that you need. We receive commissions on that. It doesn't cost you any extra. It's just that we want you to have access to help and support that you can trust. And also I have a free private Facebook group that you can get the help and support that you need in as well. And that's Narcissist Negotiators with Rebecca Zung. Please get help. And support that you can trust and that you need. Because, you know, I know when you're dealing with narcissists, it's extremely, extremely painful. Helpless, you feel helpless, you feel powerless. All right. The last reason is reason number five, and that's the hunt for praise and validation. Reason number 5 is like their ceaseless ceaseless hunt for praise and validation. Covert narcissists, they want, you know, that endless black hole. They want to constantly looking for what will impress you or what pleases you so they align their actions accordingly and they stage scenarios to um, exhibit qualities and achieve their uh, desired admiration accordingly so you're you know they're looking to see okay are they looking at me are they watching me and so they you know they they look to see are you seeing what I'm doing right so am I caught in the act doing what I'm supposed to be doing not doing something good for somebody because I that's the right thing to do, but because am I being watched doing the right thing. so so that I can get praised. Like they're the first person who shows up at the hospital because, you know, the right people might be watching or whatever. There you have it. The fascinating yet strange, unnerving five reasons that covert narcissists are always watching you. And it's crucial to understand that these behaviors, we can watch them. We can learn from them. and, become stronger as a result use them as lessons knowledge is power you know we can use it as as a shield and we can use it as in a way as a sword right and the more we comprehend this the better and stronger That we can be. Remember, they're not gonna change, but you can certainly change. And you are capable and and you are resilient. You are strong and you can keep moving forward. You can keep learning. And every day you can become a better version of yourself. Now, let's talk about this covert, passive aggressive narcissist. I never even heard of such a thing. Until I actually became the I would say victim target, survivor. I prefer survivor, actually, but you, you know initially you are their target and then you kind of become their victim. Uh, and then hopefully you can escape and become a survivor and live to talk about it. And you know for me, having been a seasoned attorney, I'm a very successful attorney. I've been recognized by any you know uh, valid, credible source that that recognizes accomplishments of attorneys, I've been a divorce attorney for 20 years or more, and you know, very uh, what I would say, confident, tough. so you I wouldn't have expected to have become the target victim survivor of a covert narcissist but i actually have two two of them that i had to get rid of fairly recently in my life and so it's it's i while i have programs on how to negotiate with a narcissist i've had to make sure that i incorporate in there how to deal with a covert passive aggressive narcissist Because these are the most stealth ones. These are the most toxic in a lot of ways because they don't look like narcissists. So there's really three types of narcissists. The first one would be your grandiose narcissist. That's your run-of-the-mill narcissist. The one that we're used to seeing, the kind that you know, most people think of when they think of narcissists, the one that goes around telling everybody how great they are, um, has no problem boasting about their accomplishments or thinking that they're the best one. And everybody's, they they tell everybody and everybody knows that that's what they think. And and, and that's kind of your, your run-of-the-mill normal narcissist. And then there is what we call the malignant narcissist, which is kind of like the grandiose narcissist, but like on steroids, it's kind of like the Darth Vader of narcissists. Um, you know, those are the ones that have a propensity for stalking or or violence or threats of violence, things like that, to intimidate people into doing what they want. I mean, all narcissists have zero sense of self. They're like the um, the Easter. Chocolate bunny that has like is totally hollow inside. That's what's going on with the narcissist. They have no inner sense of self, they have no inner um, self esteem or self worth. They actually are the most insecure of all people in the world. And so, those of us who are empaths, they are attracted to narcissists, and narcissists are attracted to them. It's this crazy, sort of symbiotic, very um, lethal attraction that both have for each other because empaths naturally want to help people and they, they see that narcissists have that um, inner sense of, of, of insecurity, that deep sense of insecurity. And, um, and narcissists naturally want to be with people that have qualities that they w- wish that they had or that they want other people to think that they have, or that they admire in some way, something like that. And so they do gravitate toward each other. And with covert passive-aggressive narcissists, it's even worse. Because covert passive-aggressive narcissists are actually um, the ones that will straight out tell you that they have difficulty with depression or, or you know, or feeling good about themselves, they'll straight up say that. Um, they often appear to be victims of things. They, they want to appear to be victims. Um, a lot of times they have a lot of illnesses or they're sick so that people feel sorry for them. You know, the world just doesn't, isn't fair, doesn't give them what they want or whatever. But they also appear to be very charming, very nice, like the nicest people in the world Um, A really huge eye-opening book for me was this book right here by Debbie Mirza. It's called The Covert Passive-Aggressive Narcissist. And um, if you haven't had a chance to read it, I would definitely make sure to grab it. I will put a link to the book below here in um, my notes on the video. Uh, Definitely check it out. It was very eye-opening for me. And, And when I was reading it, I was like, oh my God, these people that have been in my life, It could be a book written about them, like like they are it exactly. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we carry them and we bottle them up, it can definitely affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get them off your chest and Figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I know it's definitely been helpful for me in learning how to deal with past trauma and set boundaries and be the best version of myself. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's super convenient because it's all online and flexible. Just... Fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash negotiate today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash negotiate. So I I want to read for you... um, because I don't have the list memorized. So I just want to read for you some of the characteristics that they, um, that Debbie Merza says that covert passive aggressive narcissists have. They do not have a strong sense of self. They have silent rage, lying, hoovering, constant criticism, jealousy. They, pro- they project their own issues onto you. Their words don't match their actions. They are emotionally disconnected. They have flying monkeys, which are, it's like a triangulation move to try to get people in your world to line up against them or with them against you. And they get them to believe all their lies about how horrible you are. Or they might just get them on their side to think that they're a wonderful person. So therefore, if you cross this person, then there definitely must be something wrong with you because they're so nice. Um, They take credit for your ideas. They withhold praise and recognition. They sabotage birthdays, holidays, vacations, and meaningful dates. They belittle you, teach you lessons. They're self-focused, emotionally immature, always strings attached, use people. They're dizzying conversationalists. So, you know, easy to get sucked in. They create drama. They don't make love. They take it. They're not protective. They create stories in their head. They have no desire to actually know you. They have no interest in making this a great relationship. They use control and manipulation. So... Um, Those are definitely all characteristics that I saw in the two covert passive-aggressive narcissists that I had to deal with in my life. I'm sure that I have others, but those are the two that actually became fixated with me and um, doing things, you know, to um, hurt me. And, and, And what's interesting is that they have this kind of weird fixation. Like, they absolutely... Um, idolize you in a lot of ways, but then they also are trying to hurt you and do passive-aggressive things to you. It's a very strange world of insanity that you know. You just got to get yourself out of as fast as possible if you can, and if you can't, you definitely want to create boundaries that are really, really strict because you know these people are actually narcissists. All narcissists don't respect boundaries you're supposed to respect theirs. They don't have to respect yours. That's how that goes. There are three phases to a relationship with a covert passive aggressive narcissist or any narcissist. And that is the love bombing phase where they start off with how great you are. You're so beautiful. Everything is amazing. They line themselves up to look like they're so perfect for you. They, they want you to think that they're incredible in the beginning, that everything about them is just perfect, where you're thinking, wow, is this person even real? This is amazing. Um, and then the next phase is where they start to devalue you. And with a passive-aggressive narcissist, this is where you start to see these little things. And they're just small enough. They're so good at doing these little things that you know are not right and you know are meant to do something to you but the rest of the world if you tell them about it they would go well that doesn't seem so bad I don't know maybe it was a mistake oh that seems inadvertent um, because they're so nice so it, it has to be an error um or they gaslight you but it's in very very subtle ways where they'll say you know they'll do something completely contrary to what you agreed on or to or what you would think that they should do or whatever and when you call them out on it they go oh we had that conversation you agreed to that and you know you never had that conversation or you or they say something like um, oh, uh, we. Um, I thought you said that that was okay, or something like that. And and you know that that just never happened. And so they try to make you think that you're crazy. But when you tell other people about it, they go, "Oh, that must have been inadvertent." You know, one of the things that um, I've seen with. Covert, passive-aggressive narcissist is like with with money, you know, where money will end up being deposited into the wrong account, and they go, "Oh, I didn't realize I did that. I'll correct it," and then they never do, you know, and so then you end up having to go back to ask them about it. But then when you tell people about it, they go, "Well, it seems inadvertent um, because the person is so nice and they're such a good person. They they would never do anything like." Take money, um, you know things like that, and um, you know so it goes on and on and so during the devalue phase you you're getting this little drip 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 on your head of 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 cr- things that are starting to make you think you're crazy because the whole rest of the world does think that this person is so nice. Um, you know one of the examples that Debbie Merza gives in her book is about um, a husband who um would go into a, a Starbucks or something and get himself a coffee and he would ask the wife if she wanted anything and she would always say yes and she would tell him what he wanted what she wanted and he would always come back out and say oh i forgot to get yours when she would bring it up and then he wouldn't even go back in to get it like he would just drive away um you know little things like that that are just like well do you really break up a relationship over that Um, well, it doesn't seem like so bad. Maybe I'm just being selfish, you know, things like that. And especially if you're an empath, which they, remember I said, they gravitate toward you, you're going to want to be as giving as possible. And so, and narcissists just want to take as much as possible. So, and remember to a narcissist, your only value is whatever value you bring to them. Because they need an endless amount of what we call narcissist supply. And supply is whatever thing of value you can bring to them. It might be compliments. It might be making them look good. It might be helping mm. them um, you know, with all of their problems. It may be uh, financial gain. It may be that just being associated with you gives them a higher boost in status or Or whatever. So, you know, but if you take away that value from the narcissist, then um, your value is gone as well. And in fact, when you try to end a relationship with a narcissist who, I mean, whether it's a romantic relationship, a business relationship, or, you know, friend, neighbor, employer, whatever, they're going to want to get you first especially because you may know things about them that actually would make them vulnerable. So they're going to make a lot of noise and go absolutely berserk. So you got to be ready for that Um, because they're going to want to make everybody else think that you're the bad one for leaving. Even if they leave you, to be honest, they don't want to be seen as, oh, I left them because I'm a bad person or I wanted to be with somebody else, they've got to make it about you. And so you've got to steal yourself. You've got to be ready that whatever you say, do whatever is going to be manipulated. They're going to lie, cheat. Uh, In my program on how to negotiate with a narcissist, I actually have a list of 30 things that they will do. And I actually break them out by the type of narcissist and the types of behavior they do in a breakup. But um, just know that you're going to be in for it. But remember, remember that this is actually the most fragile personality. They're like the the bully on the playground that when you fight back, they run away. So you just got to find that point and create enough strategy and leverage to get them to the point where they will be willing to back down and run away and just find somebody else because it's not worth their trouble to be in your space anymore. And you're not giving them any value. So, plus, if you're going to make them look bad, then, you know, it's time to move on as far as they're concerned. I have been there going crazy and wondering what in the heck is going on, I did not realize that there was such a thing as a covert narcissist. I thought narcissists were loud, bragging people, people who would boast and tell everybody how great they are, people who would Go around demanding the best tables in restaurants or people who were, you know, men who were misogynistic. I really did not realize that there was such a thing as a covert narcissist, a person who could actually be a female, for example. When I was in a situation where I was in a business partnership with somebody who was female, for one thing, I felt found myself going crazy and feeling really bad with this person. And this is after I'd had my law practice with a very successful attorney. I've been recognized by US News as one of the best lawyers in America. I mean, had a career. I was so confused about what was going on. I didn't realize that this could person could be a narcissist until somebody had actually pointed out to me that that's what this person was. And so I I think it's important for you to also understand what the differences are between a covert and an overt narcissist. I mean, they're both narcissistic, meaning that they have these underlying feelings of emptiness inside. They don't feel any sort of value inside. They're trying to get all their feeling of value from external sources. But they go about it in very, very different ways. The grandiose or overt narcissist goes about it in very overt ways, very grandiose type of personality, whereas the covert narcissist is is a much stealthier type of narcissist. They try to avoid that spotlight and unless it's kind of a stealth sort of a way. They kind of go about things in a more of a passive aggressive kind of a way. they're more a little bit more introverted. And they don't have that brash sort of personality that you generally tend to see with an overt narcissist. And they don't want to risk any sort of public humiliation. It's more of a victimy sort of personality. And that's, that's what you sort of see with a, a covert narcissist. I mean, I remember thinking, oh, I don't think this person is a narcissist. I think they're just really, really insecure. Which is true. So, number one, number one thing that you're going to see with a covert narcissist is you're going to see this as a person who is very passive aggressive. You know, they're, they're going to criticize from the sidelines, they're so going to judge from the sidelines, but they're more passive aggressive, meaning they'll maybe agree to do things, they're agreeable from outside but they're criticizing on the inside like everybody thinks that they're super nice they smile a lot oh yes absolutely i will do that thing but then they maybe just don't follow through they just don't do it or they might inadvertently leave you off of that email at work oh i thought i put you on there i Didn't mean to leave you off. You know, it's very passive-aggressive types of things where you're you're finding yourself, should I say something? Should I not? That's the sort of thing you'll see with a covert narcissist. Not overt in your face, covert. Second thing that you're gonna see with them is that they're very condescending, they act superior. But again, underlying, very underlying. They'll belittle you in a covert sort of a way. Oh, that's so great that you've lost all that weight. I mean, too bad about the stretch marks, but I mean, my gosh, so great that you you did that. You know, kind of condescending, sort of superior. Often a little bit sarcastic, belittling you, but just under the surface, it's, I'm, I'm so nice. I look at, I just gave you a compliment. I'm so sorry if you took it that way. They've always kind of got this plausible deniability right there. They're very good at just skimming that surface of being able to deny that they did anything wrong right there. The next thing is they're very, very threatened by direct questioning or direct honesty. I know that I've been in situations like this with covert narcissists. And you know, when you go directly to them and you ask them pointed questions about something that why didn't you do this or what's going on with this? That's when they become like the victim. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that you would question me and they might start crying if they're a female. This is when it becomes about them and they become, I can't believe you question my honesty or something like that. They're very, very threatened when you start directly questioning them on anything. The next thing is they they swing very much between with the person that they idealize, they swing very much between like they think this person is fantastic. And then they also are putting this person down. It's like they I think the person is ideal and they put them on a pedestal, but then they also are devaluing them in some way, and it's it's very 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 confusing. <music> Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. They almost get like obsessed with other people and what's going on with them. This goes back to that comparison thing too. You know, they're just so wrapped up in what's going on with other people and what's going on with this person, that sort of thing. It's just, it's, it's exhausting. Are you struggling with a narcissist in your life? whether it's a family member, a friend, a business partner, a soon to be X, whoever it is, are you ready to shift that power dynamic, but you're just feeling like you cannot win, like everybody is believing their lies and you're just feeling like there's just no way that you can shift that power dynamic. I've got a brand new masterclass for you. I'm sharing all my secrets and so that you can finally take back your power and break free from this hell emotionally, physically, and spiritually spiritually. I've never done this free masterclass before. Go to Break Free From Hell and sign up. Come be with me and get my secrets so that you can finally take back your power and break free. Break free from hell and let's do this. Take a listen to our archive where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. So remember, they don't have any sense of self. They don't have a strong sense of self. So what is the one trait that really is the best, the best thing that makes you like so untouchable? Like the like you're the Dalai Lama against a narcissist you have a strong sense of self and now we return to today's show number five their public image is totally different than the person that they are behind closed doors. Person that they want everybody to see is oftentimes a humanitarian. They're the first person to show up when somebody is sick. They're the first person that shows up at the hospital or They send the baskets, you know, they make sure that their public image is absolutely pristine. You know, many times these people are clergy, they're doctors, they're nurses, they're attorneys, you know, they're very good people. The majority of the people see them as that person. Many times the only person who knows them to be this covert narcissist is their target or just the few people that they target. It's definitely quite different. The next thing is that they often are quite unreasonable with what, what their expectations are of people especially their people that they target you know whoever it is that their person is that's number 6 number 7 is that whatever your issues are become their reason for being a victim you know for example they didn't do something that you that they were supposed to do and so you question them about that well then that becomes their drama about it. They had a funeral, they had a this, they had a that. And now it's whatever it is, it's much, much bigger. And then the fact that you attack them about it, it makes you the bad person. And then you end up basically apologizing to them. And so your issue never even gets addressed. And in fact, you feel bad about it. The next thing is number eight is that they use other people's vulnerabilities. I'm trying not to use certain situations that I know so well in my life because I don't want the narcissist in my life to come knocking on my door again. But So for example, if they see that if somebody is sick, they will go show up to that situation and make sure that they are seen doing all the things that they need to be seen doing in that situation. But, you know, if if there's not an audience, then... They won't be there. You know, they like to use other people's vulnerabilities for for their own use. The next thing is extremely, extremely reactive to any kind of criticism. Highly, highly easily slighted, highly easily reactive to criticism. They cannot take any sort of criticism whatsoever. The next thing is that they oftentimes fake illnesses, fake injuries. I know some that are often chronically ill or chronically injured because they get attention for that. They get attention from not just their spouse, but they also get attention from others in the community or people around them and so they are just chronically sick so that they can get people to have sympathy for them covert narcissists like to be the victim you know sometimes they're even called the vulnerable narcissist because a lot of times they can be downtrodden or that sort of thing you know it's it's sad honestly it's so sad even though, yes, it can be draining for you, honestly, you have to be sad for them because that's how they live. They will honestly many times compromise a relationship with their own family members in order to continue to get attention from others, because they would rather have that. So the next one is they will stonewall people. In other words, they will just stop talking to people completely. If that is what they need to do, then that is what they will need to do. The next one is they completely have no introspection whatsoever, no self-awareness. No, like let me take a look at my behavior. Let me take a look at how I need to be responsible for how I might have caused hurt or harm to this person and might need to apologize to this person and really have empathy for that you know a lot of times you might just hear platitudes from them you know they're just not aware of how their how their behavior actually impacts others the next one is they're extremely envious of others constantly looking at how other people are living what they're doing comparing themselves And there's this underlying rage about it, underlying jealousy about it. They can't be happy for somebody else. You know, somebody else actually says something about, look at what I've done or look at what my child has done. Oh, that's just great. That's great for you. You know, they really can almost barely choke out a, a congratulations for them that's actually sincere. They really can't be happy for someone else. The next thing is that they often gossip. They often triangulate. They even often pit people against each other. You know, they'll say things about this one to that one, and they'll say this one said this thing about that one, so that they can get people to not like each other because they really want both of those people to. Rely on him or her. You know, they want to be the center of everything and they don't want those two people to be friends with each other. So they kind of gossip, but also want to divide people and keep people just friends or relying on them. That's that. The next one is they constantly need reassurance. How did I do? I want acknowledgement. Look at all the things that I did for you. You need to tell me how great I did. That's the next one. The next one is that they fixate on others. They fixate on other people and and what they might have done to them or their their misfortunes or you know they really they almost get like obsessed with other people and what's going on with them. This goes back to that comparison thing too. You know they're just so wrapped up and what's going on with other people and what's going on with this person that sort of thing it's just it's it's exhausting the next one is that they they change with whoever it is that they're around And because they're constantly working hard to to flatter or fawn to win favor or to be with whoever the next person is that they're going to win favor with and get the best supply around. It's always this game to see who they're going to get the next best supply around. And so it's this chameleon-like behavior to sort of fawn or or be flattered by and working the room almost in a way, but trying to stay kind of stealth and because they don't want to get too much attention. They're trying to stay humble. They don't want to be the center of attention the because they don't want to make it look like they're bragging. And so that's sort of the next one. The next one after that is that they gaslight you. They gaslight you constantly. All narcissists gaslight, but covert narcissists really love to gaslight. You know, they rewrite history to whatever version they want to rewrite history on. And they constantly try to make you think that you're crazy. And we talked about that and you agreed, or they'll take pieces of conversations and work them in and conveniently try to make it seem like that was the version that was discussed, even though many times they know what was actually discussed or they know what was the intent or they know how things are supposed to be, but they they almost purposely twist things just to make you crazy just to have a conversation a certain way. It's a it's a very exhausting way to live, but it's 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 a gaslighting where it's it's a rewriting of history just to make you think that you're crazy, or rewriting of facts just to make you think you're crazy. The next one is an exaggerated sense of entitlement. You know, they don't feel like things should apply to them they feel superior they feel like they should have a better situation than they do or you know the rules shouldn't apply to them the, uh, the situation shouldn't apply to them why does this one have that one and i don't but yet they don't want to have to say it out loud you know it's just sort of under the surface you know, you might know that this is how they feel, but the rest of the world doesn't know that that's how they feel. It's a smiling. It's like nothing is ever good enough for them. You can never satisfy them. because Nothing is ever good enough for them. The next one is that in some ways, they admire the grandiose narcissist. They admire how the grandiose narcissist is so brash, is so confident, is just out there because they kind of want to be like that themselves. They, they attach themselves to people who they think are going to make them look more special through association. So they're always looking to see who they can attach themselves to to make themselves appear more prestigious, just by association. That's number 20. We're almost to people who they think are going to make them look more special through association. So they're always looking to see who they can attach themselves to, to make themselves appear more prestigious, just by association. That's number 20. We're almost to people who they think are going to make them look more special through association. So they're always looking to see who they can. One thing is that they have a public persona that is so nice and so kind. And they're like humble and sometimes, you know, charming and, and wonderful. And I know the ones that I dealt with. They were actually female and a lot of times people don't even think that covert narcissists can be female or narcissists at all can be female. I know for me, I thought narcissists were really misogynistic, boastful, bragging, the type that would come into a restaurant, demand the best tables, were treating women poorly, tell everybody how great they are. That's not necessarily what a narcissist is. Just because you say something good about yourself, that doesn't make you a narcissist. You know, a narcissist can be humble on the surface. This is a person who publicly can be wonderful, but privately is pure hell for the person who they're dealing with. And that is what a covert is covertly. You know, only the people who are dealing with this person really knows what it's like and that's why it is so awful to deal with them. That's one of the reasons why they're a covert narcissist. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that they're passive aggressive. You know, what that means is that, you know, they might say that they're going to pick something up from, for you from the store uh, because they're going there anyway. And they just accidentally forget your thing. Oh, I meant to get that. I forgot. Passive aggressive. They say that they're going to complete a task at work that is supposed to be for you. And it just doesn't ever get done. And then you have to kind of keep nagging them about it. That is passive aggressive. There's always this plausible deniability around them where they can kind of go, I thought I did that. You know, I didn't mean that for you. That is always something that you're dealing with with a covert narcissist. Number three is they use guilt a lot of times to manipulate people. It's okay. I'm fine. I'll just sit over here by myself. I've done so much for you. I go out of my way to do so many things for everybody else, but no one does anything for me. But that's all right. I'll just sit over here By myself, that kind of thing. So they use guilt to manipulate people to do things for them. So that's the third thing. Number four is that they are very easily slighted. So, you know, you're constantly kind of tiptoeing around. Their emotions, you know, you never really know how they're going to take something because they're very fragile. Just the slightest of things can make them, their feelings be hurt or they're going to set them off. They're going to be upset about it or they're going to feel like they're being criticized or they're going to feel like they're being judged about something. So, you know, you constantly have to, having to worry about how they're going to take something because they're extremely, easily slighted. That's something that's very typical of a covert narcissist. Sometimes they're called the vulnerable narcissist because of that. And by the way, if you are dealing with this, make sure that you are joined my free private Facebook group, Narcissist Negotiators with Rebecca Zung, because you do need to have the right kind of support. I have a sponsor on this channel, which is BetterHelp, and you can go to betterhelp.com forward slash Rebecca sung to get that help and support that you need as well. We receive commissions. It doesn't cost you any extra. We just want you to have help and support. Okay, so the last one is definitely the one that is always the case with covert narcissists. And that is if they always play the victim. Always poor me. It's always, life isn't fair And let me tell you, with the covert narcissists that I have seen in my life, they will play the victim to the point they will ruin their own relationships with even people close to them if necessary to continue looking like the victim because it's so important for them to remain being the victim so that they can get sympathy from people. I find it very sad that that's how they get supply. They get supply from being the victim a lot of times. They won't apologize to people because they've got this underlying rage. There's underlying boiling jealousy rage that's always going on. But it's this anger, rage, jealousy thing happening. But for me, I'm the victim. And they're very good at reversing conversations when you try to call them out on things, at turning it around so that they're the victim because of that guilt thing and the whole thing, so that they're once again the victim. I mean, you can never win with them. You know, if you're dealing with a covert narcissist, it ain't good. And they will suck the life out of you. They will drain you to your core. I've been there. 10 power-packed phrases that can instantly unmask that covert narcissist, all right? So let's dive in, shall we? By the way, I've got a brand new book, Slay the Bully, how to negotiate with a narcissist and when, which you should go straight to slaythebully.com and you should grab it right now. All right. So number one is I'm not having this discussion with you. I'm telling you, how it is. Because you know what? They they bank on the fact that you're not gonna snuff them out. They they bank on the fact that you're not gonna go direct with them. It, it, they don't it stops them in their tracks. So if you say directly to them, I'm not having this discussion with you, I'm telling you how it is then it establishes your assertiveness with them. And it lets the narcissist know that you won't be manipulated and it sets this clear boundary with them and you don't need to say it in an angry way you don't need to say it in a way that has any tone you don't even even need to say it. you can just say it even sort of robotically you know you can just make it clear that you there's a new game in town that this new game in town doesn't tolerate their attempts to control conversation. You can just say, I'm not having this discussion with you. I'm telling you how it is. Just like that. And you can just look at them like that. Okay, so that's number one. Number two is... I don't get what you're trying to say or do here. You just kind of play dumb. I don't I don't understand what you're trying to do. I'm not sure. You know, by by you act confused. And when you subtly sort of challenge the narcissist attempts to confuse or gaslight you, it puts the focus back on their behavior to demand clarity instead of anger. You sort of are bewildered. I I'm, I'm not sure. Can you can you provide clarity for me? I'm just I'm just trying to understand what what it is you're trying to say. Can you can you give me some more clarity on that? please. When you approach it with some bewilderment or or like um, confusion instead of anger, it sort of disarms them. So that's number two. Number three is this isn't the way to talk to me or anyone else for that matter. So you are establishing that you are not going to be disrespected. And, And let me tell you, I always sort of give a formula for shifting the dynamic of power with narcissists. And I say that you need to to think about it in terms of baby steps because oftentimes you've been conditioned for a long time, whether it's a professional relationship or a personal relationship. A lot of times you you don't feel like you can shift that dynamic of power all at once because it feels overwhelming to do it all at once. So I say step one, don't run. Step two, make a U-turn. Step three, break free. So step one is just creating those boundaries. When you first start creating those boundaries, that first boundary doesn't have to be a physical boundary. It doesn't have to be moving out of the house or or getting out of a partnership. That first boundary can really just be, this isn't the way to talk to me or anyone else for that matter. You don't even have to add the or anyone else for that matter. You can just say this isn't the way to talk to me. So by addressing their communication style and and the fact that you find it disrespectful, you're reminding the covert narcissist that their behavior is not acceptable. And it also emphasizes, if you want to say or anyone else for that matter, their important the importance of treating you with respect and others with respect. But if you don't even care about others at that moment, you can just say, you know don't treat me disrespectful. All right? So that's number three. Number four is if you're going to talk about me to anyone else, it should be in a respectful manner. And you know, I have a friend who's also my business coach, she's been my business coach for a very long time and she would always say don't leave me less in other people's listening so when people are hearing about me don't leave me less they're thinking less of me when when you walk away so you know it, this phrase draws attention to the narcissist tendency to you know try to line up flying monkeys, gossip about you, have their army of people so that you feel isolated, where they're speaking ill of you, and it encourages them to consider their words and reminds them of that importance of of speaking of respect. But really, more more importantly, you're calling them out. You're demasking them. You're saying. I see you. I know what you're doing. I know what you're up to. You're not fooling me. I see what you're up to. It's almost like you're you're shining the light. It's like that when you pull the rock off the the bugs and they all go scurrying. What? What are you doing? Right. So it's, it's not just the fact that you're demanding this. It's also the fact that you're shining the light on it and, and you're like shaming them about it. The next one is number five, which is your behavior and words have consequences, which can be felt by others. Here you're highlighting the impact of their actions which again, sheds light on their lack of empathy. And it reminds them that their behavior not only affects themselves, but those around them. They may not care about you. They may not even care about anyone else, but maybe they'll be worried about how it's gonna show up for themselves. And in that moment, they may be so proud that they'll be like, oh, it's, nothing's going to happen to me. But even if they say that in that moment, they may, may be worried. You can still say it because regardless of how they react in that moment, it still may worry them. Number six is it's not okay to only think of yourself and disregard Everyone else's feelings. Again, you know, you are standing up for yourself and you are letting them know that you see what they're doing. You see that they're only thinking of themselves. And especially for a covert narcissist, they want to be seen as the humanitarians. They want to be seen as the one who thinks of everyone else. And so if you are calling them out as someone who doesn't, think of everyone else, they'll be like, oh, feigning this hurt. Like, I take care of everyone. Are you kidding me? You know, they'll be extremely hurt by that, right? So that will kick them right in the gut. And it highlights the need for empathy and consideration towards others and exposing their lack thereof. And by the way, I have phrases for disarming narcissists that you can get for free at disarmthenark.com, which I definitely highly recommend that you do. And if you need self-care, I have a whole video on self-care for coping with narcissists and definitely check out that video as well. The next one is if you want something from me, tell me so plainly, Instead of implying it and being passive-aggressive, you know, again, they're they're going to be like, I'm being passive-aggressive. What? Me? Are you kidding? They don't want to be seen as anything other than good and wonderful, even though they are very, very passive-aggressive. By actually calling out their passive-aggressive tendencies and tactics, you force them to be more direct and transparent because they want to have... So do these clean hands all the time. you know. They they don't want to be seen as this manipulative person that they are. And it promotes their open and honest dialogue. And by the way, I have a whole video called Decoding the Top 7 Catchphrases of Narcissists, which is another great video for you to check out. So the next one is number eight, which is what you're doing right now. Isn't helping us and isn't helping the relationship. So, you know, it just sort of like brings it all back so that you can re- remind everyone where are we going with this? Don't we want to get to a place where we're actually getting somewhere with this whole thing? Right? Aren't we trying to resolve a conflict here? You know, by pointing out that their behavior is detrimental to the relationship, you highlight the negative impact. Of their actions, and it encourages the narcissist to reflect on their behavior and their consequences, whether they actually do or not. Probably not, but at least for that moment, they get like shamed, and you know they're open. You open that, and you unmask them for that moment. The next one is, I know who I am and what I need in a relationship, and this is not it. The more you become authentic about who you are how strong you are and what you want in a relationship, the more difficult it's going to be for that covert narcissist to be existing in that. Because that is a narcissist kryptonite, a, a strong, resilient, authentic, human being is not a person who a narcissist can coexist with. A narcissist by definition needs a person who's going to be insecure, needs a person who can be manipulated, needs a person who wants to cling to them. And that this statement, I know who I am and what I need in a relationship, assert your self-worth, assert your boundaries, It emphasizes you're not settling for a relationship tainted with narcissistic tendencies. It empowers you to protect yourself. The next one is this conversation is over until we can speak respectfully without manipulation or blame shifting. By setting a firm boundary, you establish that you will not engage In unhealthy conversations, this phrase demands that you... Demand mutual respect and honesty while exposing at Covert Narcs manipulation tactics. So good. Conversation's over until we can speak respectfully without manipulation and without blame shifting. And and by the way, if you need additional support, please join my free private Facebook group, Narcissist Negotiators with Rebecca Zung, because get the help and support that you need. And if you need therapy, betterhelp.com forward slash Rebecca Zung. Again, get the help and support that you need. We receive commissions. It doesn't cost you any extra. There you have it, folks. Those are the 10 power-packed phrases that will help you when dealing with and confronting a covert narcissist. You need outrageous methods for taming those covert narcissists because I think they're the most dangerous ones. They're the stealthiest kind of narcissists. They're the ones that everybody else thinks are the nice ones, the kind ones, the sweet ones, the humble ones, the humanitarians. Everybody else thinks they're wonderful. If I had a dollar for every time somebody would say to me, Oh my goodness, she's so nice. She's so wonderful. She's so amazing. For the two covert narcissists that were in my life, I'd be, you know, a bazillionaire by now. Seriously, you just want to think that you're crazy. You think that you're crazy because everybody else thinks they are like the most insanely wonderful people on the planet. And that's why you don't want to tell anybody about it because you start to feel like if I tell anybody about these people, no one's going to believe me. No one's going to be on my side. No one's going to support me in this. Everyone's going to think I'm a terrible person. Everyone's going to think I'm the bad one. Everyone's going to think I'm the not likable one. There must be something wrong with me because obviously I don't get along with this person or I'm the one that this person went after, or maybe I just don't see it. It just goes on and on and on. And when it comes to these covert narcissists, it's just the the most nightmarish experience of your life because they are passive aggressive because the methods that they use are so incremental so tiny so under the radar and the way they do it is their hands remain clean in a law setting we used to call it like are your hands clean And that's the way I look at it with narcissists, these covert narcissists. They keep their hands clean. You know, they're able to do things in such a way that they don't have anything coming back to them, that plausible deniability, so that they can sit there and go wide eyed and innocent. What? Not me. I didn't mean it like that. Or how could you accuse me of such a thing? I certainly always have your best interests at heart. I love you and I support you, you know. And so you just cannot ever feel like you can attack them because they become the victim because they make you feel guilty, because no one will believe you. And so you have to protect yourself in every possible way. I mean, when it comes to these people, it's just insanity. I mean, if I told you the stories of the things that I dealt with with these people, you wouldn't even believe it. And so I know what it's like to deal with them. I do know. And I had to get myself out of these situations before I even had access to information like mine, videos that are out there, like you guys have access to. You know, you guys have so many more resources now available to you than. I ever did. When somebody first mentioned to me that I was dealing with a covert narcissist or a covert passive aggressive narcissist, the number of resources available on that was so skinny, so thin that I was so desperate and hungry for information. But now you guys have a lot more available to you. So that is something to definitely be grateful for. And you have access to support, which is also something to be very, very grateful for as well. Because you know that you're not the crazy one. You know that it's them and not you, which is also something to be grateful for and feel very blessed about. And you do need to have support. And by the way, if you need additional support, definitely join my free private Facebook group. And if you need additional help, get my free phrases for disarming narcissists, which you can get at disarmthenarc.com, disarmthenarc.com, get those for sure. And if you need support, in dealing with them and you don't have access to your own therapist, we have a sponsor here on this channel, which is BetterHelp. And you can go to betterhelp.com forward slash Rebecca Zung and get that help and support that you need. We receive commissions on that. It doesn't cost you any extra, but we just want you to have access to help and support that you need, okay? So number one, be indifferent to them. Be indifferent to them. That is one of the most, it seems outrageous, but just absolutely almost like your eyes are glazing over. I mean, yes, go no contact, of course, but if you have to be in contact with them, which there are times that you do, it's almost like you are a pod, or a Stepford wife, or a a robot, you know, if you're a man. You know, you're just like, oh yeah, hello, uh-huh, mm-hmm. I see you there. Yep, nice to see you again, great. Mm-hmm. You're just almost like a, a robot in interacting with them. You're just completely indifferent. They see you, you know, you, anything about you doesn't, Affect me. I'm not bristling in any way. I'm not upset in any way. You know, I don't feel like running. I don't have any sweat on my forehead or my nose. I just am going about my day. You know, that's number one. You know, you're just completely oblivious. You know, that's the kind of thing that I did. You know, they will step up their game and do more and more outrageous things to get your attention. And you're just outrageously like, okay, I see that you're showing up at this outrageous place that you totally don't belong at. Okay, hello, I see you here. Mm-hmm, that's nice. You know, I- ignore. So that's number two, ignore any and all attempts by them to get a rise out of you, to get attention from you, to get supply from you in any way, shape, or form. So they're going to try to get supply from you. You know, they're going to befriend your friends. They're going to start showing up at crazy places, suddenly now you notice that they're friends with this person, or now they're hanging out with your other family members, or just crazy things to try to get you to have some reaction. And you're just going to be like, okay, great. That's wonderful for you. Congratulations. Wonderful. Good for you. You know, nothing will be of any interest for you that is anything, you know, wonderful, you know, like it's all the same, you know, as if you're just drinking your morning coffee and eating your cereal. Every single thing is exactly like that. Every single thing. Ignore. Any and all attempts to get any rise, it's all like this for you. Every single thing that they do. Everything. It's just like you're reporting the news. Oh, I see that you're doing this now. Never explain, justify, or overshare. You're just reporting facts. You're just looking at things. You're observing. You're just like flat- like that, okay, that's number two. Number three is you're going to block all channels of communication, every single thing. Block them on social media, block every single thing. This is what I did, you block everything. You do not want to see them in your feed, you do not want to look at them, you do not want to be triggered by them. You don't want them looking at you. You don't want them showing up in your email. You don't want them texting you. Make it so that their emails go directly to your junk box. So block all channels of communications and their minions also. You don't want their little minions contacting you. Block them. Number four, succeed beyond their wildest dreams. You make it so that you are so successful and so beyond what it is that they ever imagined that you don't even care what it is that they're doing because you don't need them. You don't need their supply. You don't need their validation. You don't need any conversations with them because you don't need any kind of supply from them at all, who cares about anything with them? That's super outrageous. That will tame them completely. And number five, this will tame them beyond tame them. This is the worst one of all and the best one for you. Wipe them from the CPU of the memory of your brain like they never existed. Who cares? Because you just move on with your life. You are successful beyond your wildest dreams. You have blocked them from all channels of communication. You have completely, you know your value and worth. You you know who you are. That is the most outrageous method for taming a covert narcissist. And that is the most outrageous method for yourself. And that is how you truly break free. That's the best. Now, how do you do that? How do you really move on from a narcissist, right? That's the true question. That's like the big question.